Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of The Tilt Ship. This is a conversational podcast about movies, television, and anything else in the media that we like. Uh, joining me for a special summertime rooftop edition, but not on the roof, is uh, is Charlie and Jake. Uh, welcome. How are you guys doing? Doing well, Chris. Doing well. Not not on the roof, though. Yeah, not on the roof. To be continued. To be. I mean, we will we will get on the roof um, one of these times. Uh, we thought, um, sorry for our long absence there, uh, just acknowledging the last one was, I think we had a, a, a Yellow Jackets preview, and then we never did the series. Um, I put that on the series a little bit, but we can talk about that later. And we're checking in now with our mid-year top movies or televisions in the categories and stuff that we like. Um, anything to add to that? Does anyone have anything to add in terms of what we're doing today? I can say that Yellow Jackets certainly didn't make my top five of the year. Yeah, we should we we should um, reserve some time. I thought it started off well and then really degraded, and I was like, "What is happening at this show?" Um, the only bright spot was the nostalgic music, but uh, you know, hashtag '90s. But still, not a, not enough. But I did watch the whole thing. Okay, so I, I'm going to start. What we've done is we've made up categories to um, best fit the top movies that we kind of like. So here's a flawed category. Or TV shows. Or television shows, that's right. And and other shows. things. Let's call them shows. Yeah, shows. Uh, so I'll start with this. Um, uh, my category is best, best watched not in the theater. So I watched this not in the theater. And... It did come out of the theater, but it had a limited run. It was mostly set for a streaming service. And this is um, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. I actually tried watching Operation Fortune. Guy Ritchie's had a couple of things come out on Prime. What? And I did um, not know that. I actually thought this was a pretty decent war movie. It is Jake Gyllenhaal, and um, basically there's a translator-interpreter that he's working with. The translator-interpreter saves him after some ambush and then he gets to go back to the u.s but the interpreter doesn't which actually mirrors what's going on in afghanistan right now is there were lots of interpreters that were promised special visas to canada and the united states for helping out nato forces and a lot of them are in hiding the taliban are going after them. but um in terms of the movie this is one of those where the movie's pretty good but jake gyllenhaal's really really good and you just end up watching this film for him, and uh, he plays it really down in this movie. And this is uh, my best, not in the theater, um, watched it on Amazon Prime. Pick. Hey, I I have a, a category um, of best not in the theater as well. Um, you you gave me that idea, and so I I um I thought of a film, one of the only one of the few films I saw this year. I didn't see many films, so actually, the four other that I'm going to talk about our shows, but um, by my film that really stood out this year was um, a Canadian film called I Like Movies. Um, Jake, I know you missed that one from our class. I, I have it on my iTunes. You got to watch it sometime. It, it is really good, and especially for, for movie lovers. Uh, it's um, a comedy. just came out in 2022, and um, it's... Uh, it's directed by Chandler Le Levac. Uh, she's from Ontario, I believe. It's really funny how I was able to get a hold of it. I, I messaged her on Instagram 
for our class because I wanted to show it uh, do our class and it wasn't out in the theaters nor was it out to, to um to uh uh stream and I messaged her on Instagram actually I asked a, another filmmaker friend I'm like hey how do you get a hold of like how do people get a hold of you to like if they want to watch your film she's like just message them on social media often they'll just res will respond and we'll send you to our distributor and so I did that and she really responded like within like a few days and um uh she um basically was gonna give me access to watch the film through a distributor but then she emailed back saying actually it just got released on itunes you can rent it or buy it so like, okay so i got it and we showed it to the class and they loved it and it was just it, it's a film um i set during the times of um like blockbuster and stuff like that like when we, we still could rent films uh in a video store and it's this uh uh grade 12 student in ontario um who's really loves movies and wants to go to nyu film school but he his his family can't afford it uh he's not a very good student he's very narcissistic and so that creates a lot of comedy and drama and uh i highly recommend it, it, it it's kind of like ladybird but um um like that sort of feel to it um yeah that was my best not in the theater this is a this is a tangent but i find it so frustrating how hard it is to find access to stuff like there's there's too many steps it, it should it should just be so much easier to, to if you want to watch something and support a, a director or a filmmaker it shouldn't be that many chains of communication you know uh, cause Charlie yeah. followed through with it, but I would, I think if you took a hundred people, I feel like a lot of them would just be like, oh, okay, I, I'm out. I'm just not going to see it or I'll see something else. To, to be fair, I think I like movies will be released, uh, like more widely soon. I hope, I think it was released in like, you know, small independent theaters mm -hmm. at one point, maybe during the Toronto international film festival. And maybe it'll get picked up in the next few months. I, I don't know. Um, Maybe it'll go to the Vancouver Film Festival, or maybe it was. Yeah, uh, part, part of me thinks it might have already been in the Vancouver uh, Film Festival. So, but yeah, you're right. Like these these films, it's they even uh, this one, for example, even if it, even if it did have a run in the theater, it's so limited that these streaming um, platforms definitely um, uh, help benefit these sorts of indie films. Yeah, yeah, the. I'll just say like the, the counter to that is, um, I mean, I, I think there's a two tier strategy. One is, yeah, it can't come out in theaters. Um, but you, you look at sort of major directors taking big deals, uh, upfront guaranteed money and with no back end, right? Like they don't get any sort of like points on the profit or anything like that. And that's what they relinquish. And I'm just looking and say like glass onion. Uh, and then the knives out, right? Like that's sort of a, a big franchise that Netflix like paid up front for uh, really to just, you know, increase subscribership. It is, it is really weird. I, I, I do hope there's time or there's room for both. Right. And, uh, um, but unfortunately sometimes when you see a, I think a deal with a big director or something, uh, or, um, showrunner, it really is about pushing the platform, uh, and then adding to the subscription. I mean, we're we're in a weird time right now of like the model television, movies, uh, channels, all of it. It's weirdly broken, right? And then we also have at the time of this recording, like 
a writer strike going on, which will which will impact in a, in a bit. Jake, what was uh, your first uh, film that you want to or show that you want to sh- share? I don't think I don't think I saw any that that were. Uh, no, I guess I saw the, the Glass Onion sequel. That that was straight to Netflix, right? Yeah, yeah. It was it was okay. It was too long. Um, I I can't. Uh, like what's what's the word? I I'm so not convinced by the Daniel Craig ridiculous accent that I can't enjoy it because I just like this is a guy like who's like so obviously acting and having an accent that is distracting, and I recognize that. It's it is good acting. Like it's actually impressive what he does, but I it feels so much like like it's just a it's just a big gag that I that I can't actually lose myself in the in, in the movie at all. So I, I didn't I didn't love it. I, I watched it, I finished it, but I, I didn't uh I didn't really like it. Is there is there a category you want to start with then for this next round? Um I was gonna just say like Like I, most of my movies this year are, are TV or like most of my choices are TV. And when I look at what I, what I saw, which were like, I didn't see much at all, like in the last 12 months, especially the last six months, um, I was thinking like, uh, good examples of less is less is more or like shows that are not trying to have six seasons or even two. And cause I always I think that's a good model. I, I think, I think that should be more common. Um, I understand the business side of it. Like a Western streaming understands that if we do multiple seasons, we're just going to keep making money if people really like this, but there's something really effective about knowing like, that's it. And there's not going to be any more. And they did it really well in, in one season. Um, I saw, so I saw Chernobyl this year. Which is, I know that's historical, but still, like they, they could have stretched it out, right? They could have, they could have had, you know, twelve episodes. They could have even said season two, find out what what happens next, right? Like they could have completely built it up, but they 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 respected the the substance and and, and how to tell the story well in five episodes. So, I know that one's going back a few years, but I I finally I finally finished it, and it's uh, it's I think it's my top three of all time for for TV shows. Especially the final, I think it might be one of the best final episodes in any show I've ever seen. Because uh, there's so many ways they could have told that story. And and the way that they, they un- unveiled or like revealed the whole, uh, like what happened that day. What led to that, that whole moment was such an awesome way to finish it. And to do it in, in a courtroom, um, that was a really cool choice. Like super dark, really heavy, right? But like also... Um, just like such a respectful homage to like the people that are still affected in that in that region, and I've been to Slovakia like five times, right? So that whole part of the world is is super corrupt and lacks transparency. There's a, there's a huge power divide, and um, there's just a lack of accountability still, even now, like in, in our age. So watching that was was so eerie in terms of seeing how easily that could happen in countries that just just don't have that uh, that transparency accountability of, of government cover-ups are are common so yeah as well as movies or shows where I, when i finished it it was it was so amazing but i thought like who can i recommend this to 
right? You're watching, you're like, you should see Chernobyl. Right? Like, it's just so, it's so horrific and, and sad. So, yeah, I do want to recommend it, but I feel like it's a tough one. I feel like I've showed a couple people or I've told a couple people and they're just like, yeah, is that, it's just a show about, about that awful disaster. It's like, no, well, well yes, but, but also, but it's awesome. You got to see it. Anyways. Um, Chernobyl is awesome. I should, I recommend, you asked who, who did you recommend it to? I, um, I think I recommended it to Chris. No, I don't remember. Yeah. And, um, I, uh, showed it to my class. We watched it as a, a, a series, um, and analyzed it as a, as a TV show and series. Um, my class was pretty into it. Six episodes. Um, and it's, um, it's, uh, produced by the same guy who made the last of us. Um, so that's a really good segue into the one I want to talk about, which is best feel bad. And I think Craig, Craig Mason, that's the producer of uh, Chernobyl, maybe likes making people feel bad. And uh, he produced uh, the last of us, one of the producers and he, um, uh, yeah, it got me hooked with that show. Best, best feel bad was the last of us, um, for me, uh, Chris and I did a whole uh, series on The Last of Us, right? Um, so I'm not going to say much about it here, but it, but it, it was, um, I think, one of the best TV series that I've seen in, um, not just this year, but maybe like in like you know like a whole decade. Um, I, it's a it's a show that I definitely uh, want to watch more and study and like i'm trying to put it into my course next year um it was such a great adaptation from the video game um and um just uh you know really captures the post-apocalypse in in non-cliche ways because post-apocalypse has kind of been overdone already zombies have been overdone but the last of us and hbo uh made it back down to earth if that was if you can say that and it's just very um um, it was really great TV. And I think, uh, so back to Chernobyl and then now last of us, that, that guy knows how to, how to make, knows how to make, um, best feel bad TV shows. Great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's your, that, so I'll just add, um, first of all, I want to apologize to Jake there. I thought you actually sort of went and then I jumped the line there with, uh, with my follow-up to best not in theater. And then hopefully Charlie, you got us back to Jake and the Where's last the onion. Um, that was my number one TV show that I've watched so far this year is, uh, is the last of us. And you sort of, you, you come for the apocalypse, but you stay for the morality. And that show just did it extremely, extremely well. Uh, we, again, like Charlie mentioned, we did sort of ep episode by episode. I watched every episode at least twice. And, um, it, it, it just was really great on the Chernobyl front. I'll just, I, I watched uh, the first episode of it and part of me is just like reluctant to relive it. Uh, I, I took, I'll just say like, I, I took a course in the history of Soviet Union and, and I remember one of the classes, they dealt with Chernobyl, right? And, um, and uh, it was horrifying. And I remember like, and that first episode, that sort of like, of course, who, who, who runs these things are these sort of like corrupt yes people and that's who's running the show. And he's like, just go into the reactor. And, you know, if anyone 
people that know about radioactivity or whatever, like as soon as they open the door, like those guys are gone. Right. And it was just absolutely brutal. And the true tragedy is the firefighters. Like that's, that's what always gets to me is like the firefighters that came there. And it's like, they basically have to put out this fire or they're all toast. But, um, you know, that the firefighters themselves, they're, they're not going to survive this thing in there. And, um, I'm sort of watching this. And then of course, Jared Harris is, is, is quite prominent in that first episode. And it does lead somewhere. And I was just like, I don't know if I could, if I could do this. Uh, I'll just say if we're, if we're reliving some shows and I don't want to go too far down this thing, but I finally, 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 uh, jumped onto the succession path and I've just finished three seasons of it. And I'll just say very quickly, it really reminds me of my favorite ep- my favorite show of all time. Jake, you mentioned Chernobyl could be your favorite show of all time. Mine still remains Mad Men. And, uh, and I, when, what got me into the, the there's a Mad Men kind of thread running through succession of office politics and positioning yeah. and, and, the and in some ways the cutthroatness and also the, I don't know, what's the word here? Like not just the cutthroat, but the dare I say, elegance of the office politics. And it's it has that, and that's the thread. It, uh, it's not the only thread running through succession, but it's the thread that got me into the into this thing. And and then plus a lot of other things that Jesse Armstrong has done as showrunner. And um, those of you familiar with the show, I know I'm late to this party and I'm kind of taking it in stride because it, it is a lot, that show is a lot to handle in terms of dense, dense episodes, which to circle back, was also another thing of The Last of Us. The Last of Us really played with density sometimes. It was always dense, sometimes really dense and sometimes um, kind of like a hidden type of density to it. But but um, those are my two shows. So what category was the succession for you there? What do you call it? Best what? Uh, whatever Jake had there, which was, um, I mean, it could have, it could have been in the best oh, feel bad and I, also best not this year, but catching up. Well, I guess Jake's category was best uh, more is or less is more. And um, yeah, uh, I would say it's 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 teetering. Yeah, it's I, whole, yeah. I think succession can kind of fit there, too, even though it was dense. The fact that they finish it in four seasons, that's pretty good for American TV. I mean, most yeah, of American true. TV would go like 10 seasons of succession. I'm really glad they had this arc and they knew how they wanted to end it. I don't know if you guys, either of you guys have finished yet, so I'm not going to spoil it, but this is, it's definitely a show on my top five list. And I had it as a best investment, best investment. And okay. um, it, it was just such a great arc from start to finish. That was probably one of the best TV shows I've seen ever. Um, up, up there with Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones for me, I, I really liked, and um, uh, but this one I think uh, was better. Maybe um, I'm definitely going to finish it, man. I watched and, first eight episodes so far. Um, yeah, the, the story arcs, all the different characters, the um, you know, the best love to hate. I think is the other thing, right? Like that, they all the characters are just like not good people that you just you know you don't like, and then you also root for. Um, and um but yeah um that that show is 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 my best investment just because it doesn't disappoint like you know there's those shows that like they're really great for a certain amount of time and then after a while it's like oh that season it really jumped the shark or oh that season kind of went downhill and 
like it never recovered or whatever, right? But this show starts and finishes really strong. Um, and um, it was satisfying. So I hope you guys finish it. Um, yeah, that's my third uh, category. Um, who Charlie knows my succession rant. I'll share it a little bit with Chris. It, it, it drives me crazy that this show is set in 2023 and they all have the very best phones, right? Because these are very wealthy people. And those phones buzz louder than like a Blackberry from like the late 90s, like enough to move them across tables. How does a show of that quality and that many people that you know are scrutinizing every detail? Why do they do that? And I love the show, by the way. But that detail, like really, it really frustrated me. I know Chris has the answer because I can't figure it out, man. Whenever I don't have the answer to something, I just fall on functionality of the story, right? Like there has to be an obvious way. Yeah, it's like the the sort of the two people fighting, like, you know, the two partners fighting basically like, but with exposition to further explain things to the uh, um, to the audience. So I, I didn't. So sometimes I, I didn't even actually even notice that. But uh, um, does anyone have another category? I actually have two more movies to go ahead, Charlie. Wait, I'll, I'll say something to Jake's point. The uh, the uh, uh, phone buzzing is kind of like a, it's like dialogue, right? Like I guess it has to be loud to match everything else in the in the um, the scene. Uh, but yes, yeah, so it's not realistic in that way. But um, I think this is a good time to plug in our um, uh, a sponsor. Um, maybe if they had good sound editing like audacity uh, <laughs> I mean, no, no, i'm kidding obviously we don't yeah. have sponsors but, but uh, anyway yeah go go on chris what do you want to a good editor <laughs> um if no one has another category jake inadvertently had like an awesome segue that he didn't even know speaking of blackberry um this to me is my number one i don't know what you'd call it uh, best nostalgia best tech Best Canadian movie. It could be any one of those three. Overall, in terms of me, uh, the Blackberry movie is my favorite movie so far this year. And I oh. I watched it cool. and I enjoyed it on just like a bunch of levels. This sort of like the tech tragedy story. Loved it. The Canadian stuff, you know, based in Waterloo with some, it had some Canadian angles in it. That was super good. But uh, stylistically, I totally loved it. But it basically, it sorry, it had it gave me a chance to relive um, the '90s, early 2000s, living through the BlackBerry, Rim, CrackBerry, all the way to the uh, debut of the iPhone, and um, to witness everybody wanting a BlackBerry, especially a BlackBerry Bold, uh, to then that shift to when iPhones started in the US and then sort of crept into Canada. And, um, you know, I I like computers. I like tech. I, I followed that stuff, right? And it was it, it was interesting to sort of see. And um, it, 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 I mean, overall, for me, the show is, is not just those things, but it's nostalgia to look back at that decade with the explosion of the internet, the, um, the, the growth of handheld devices, which was brand new to, you know, you go from the Palm Pilot to this, to email on your phone, to being at work all the time. This is the growth of that. 
plus it being sort of a cultural artifact, right? And Blackberry, I think, is is a really wonderful, wonderful movie um, to watch. Did did the uh, loud buzzing? Was that the downfall of the Blackberry? Was it too loud? <laughs> um, uh, it's funny you bring up the category of best nostalgia and best Canadian, uh, best '90s, early 2000s decade. That's what I like movies was for me. It was nostalgic '90s, early early 2000 um, uh, setting uh, and in Canada. So anyway, um, Jake, um, uh, do you have one? Uh, this is for remind me of the category, Chris. It can be, it can be any category. You can do your own category. Yeah. If your turn. I said best nostalgia. That's probably the best opener. Anything. Yeah. I mean, everything's nostalgia now, but uh, yeah. Well, okay. Th- I can kind of fit this into nostalgia a little bit just because I, I grew up watching like all of us, like sketch comedy, uh, with kids in the hall, Saturday night live, SCTV, all that stuff. And, and, and like, this is sort of a tangent, but like, I feel like it, it's a, it was a funny pre-internet era where you actually had to remember lines from, from uh, skits and then you would sort of retell them the best you could. Now we just send a link, right? But the the latest sketch show, and there's a tie-in here to SNL. So Tim Robinson was a cast member on SNL and then he was cut. Lauren Michaels said, you're, you're just not the right fit. And I think Lauren Michaels is totally right because this guy's comedy is way out there. I, I I sort of liken it to like Tim and Eric style comedy where it's high risk, high reward, but also meaning when it bombs, it really bombs, right? It's either like a one or like a 10. Uh, so his show, I think you should leave is, is hilarious. And, but then also really not funny and then really sort of mediocre at times. But when it's funny, it's, it's some of the funniest sketch comedy in years. So I, I watched the first two seasons last year and rewatched them and and referenced them and just whenever I needed to laugh. So I couldn't wait for season three. And it's been good. I think actually it sort of crosses over into the category of the more I think about it, it gets funnier. Um, but if you haven't seen it, I, I think I think watch it, but watch it with a filter of like this is not gonna be nonstop laughing. It's gonna be times where you're going this isn't that funny or like that didn't work at all. But then all of a sudden you're going to get just hammered with it. That is some of the funniest shit I've ever seen on a TV show. That is hilarious. This guy's mind is unreal. And the way, the way we just described Tim's comedy is imagine, imagine a, a guy who has a very set set of rules for how society should function. And he gets very frustrated when those things aren't happening. I would say that's one of the cornerstones of, of, of his, his sketch comedy. The other is just like your, your classic, imagine if this happened scenario and then times 10, right? Like it just gets amped, just that, just higher beyond what you could imagine. So it, it is a bit formulaic, but when it works, it really works. It's a hard recommend though. Cause I know as soon as I recommend it to someone, I'm like, oh God, what are they going to think of me when they watch this? <laughs> Exactly. Get it. They'll be like, thank you. That is the funniest thing. I love it. If they don't, they're going to be like, what the hell was that, man? Like, exactly. Exactly. I don't know. Really polarizing. But I think that's what really great comedy is. It, 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 It shoots for some insane ideas and it falls flat or it's just like, 
incredible. It's gotta watch it. A, it's funny. I I would have recommended them to you as well. Like I I've never watched like full seasons, but like yeah, I've seen several episodes, and, and yeah. I'm like dying laughing. Like that yeah. was that one episode where they're doing training at work, and then <laughs> the splash of the water. Yeah, remember he pretends to splash the water in the guy's yeah. face. Yeah, because <laughs> it actually gives gives him an example. Yeah. Like you guys hate each other. <laughs> Yeah. at Craig over here <laughs> and then he just takes it and goes like the furthest you can take that that prank or or the the drive through oh god yeah yeah uh, I want to pay it forward to the guy behind me in the drive through line I'm gonna I'm gonna pay for his okay who knows let's see maybe it'll catch on <laughs> so so good anyway I I think yeah I think it's a good it's a good watch and I don't think you sit down and binge it I think you watch a few episodes just for the pop culture reference because I think it's becoming the most memeable show. Like it's getting used in in all sorts of formats. Um, um yeah, I have to get going. I'm really sorry. I'm I'm cutting this short for me, but uh, I was gonna leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's the segue. Yeah, I, I'm gonna just tell you my last two categories. I won't really go into them, but. Best Who Done It was uh, White Lotus season two, um, and I, I did prefer White Lotus season one as a TV show, but but uh, White Lotus season two was a really great Who Done It, and then the best feel good to to counter the best feel bad um, was Ted Lasso. Like I just loved Ted Lasso. Every episode, I just like felt so good and would just laugh and cry, and it, the TV doesn't normally do that anymore to these days and i recommend that to anybody it's such a good show um and it ended this year too it's over it, it was a short run too. It's three seasons um and that's it anyway that's 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 me you could hear the baby calling thank you charlie thank you but um i'll talk to you guys soon and please uh continue um the the best of and then um i'll i'll uh, be sure to watch it Thank you. Thank you, Charlie. Okay. See you, See you, man. Good to see you. Um, I had a follow-up to your, I think you should leave, and the way that you describe it definitely will check. It reminds me of, like, the rehearsal. Why yeah. I, it's, like, high-risk, high-reward, and completely creative. Yeah. Right? Like, it's just, like, um, this is currently on Apple TV platonic with okay. Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne. And they play essentially middle-aged friends. Uh, Seth Rogen is just recently divorced. Rose Byrne is happily married, and they reconnect on Seth Rogen's divorce. And they're just two, you know, middle-aged friends. And it's uh, from it's in the kind of spirit of neighbors. I I mean, I watched that a really long time ago, but uh, it's a tight 30, 30 minutes an episode. And there's just this like um, edge of it being creative. Like it is everything that you would expect it to be, but you watch it because it's a little bit more like, for example, the rotating cast around them. Mm-hmm. So uh, Seth Rogen's friend or Rose Burns, like, you know, up the like friend, like these fr- like they're really good. They surrounded them with just like really, really good people. Uh, and then they and then they've taken it and they've just like exaggerated it. And I, I couldn't believe that I actually loved 
the show. It's in it's in the normal span of like comedy comedy, right? Of just like let's over talk about something that's really funny. Let's have a bit, a physical bit, uh, where we where we do stuff. Let's have you know it's, it's so it's within this sort of regular what you would expect in this type of comedy, um, but. This to me, I, again, as we had the overalls, this was like, like my number three. As the Last of Us was number one, number three was I'm just so enjoying Platonic. Um, the season finale is coming out like next week. I just got on this about a week ago, and I've been watching like one episode uh, every night, and just like and just like really, really um, enjoying it. So, just uh, to your sort of like comedic point of TV shows, that that would be mine. Yeah. Yeah, I saw some some uh, clips of that, or I saw some previous for it. It looked interesting. I think I put it on my on the old uh, added to the watch list. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can keep going for a bit here, and then if you, unless you have something, nope. Uh, so my number two was gonna be, you know, there's something like great about a traditional TV show or a mostly traditional TV show. Uh, rated pg well maybe there's some swearing in it and stuff like that and it 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 is something and it follows through and it goes a to b to c to d and this is the and i hope this is this but i, I is uh perry mason so i i really like perry mason on hbo and it, it just starts out normally right like you know season one is there's a mystery and then they go to solve the mystery um you know it's one of those things sometimes they layer in the mysteries and you think you're solving one but you actually solve the other you know, an episode early and then you come back and um, it's just a really good, solid show that knows exactly what it is. It's a, kind of a period piece in, I think, San Francisco or Los Angeles, sorry, Los Angeles in the in the 30s in the Great Depression. And it's Perry Mason just starting out. He was an investigator and now he's just become a lawyer and he's he's trying to grow his practice. But of course, something happens and this gets him into kind of like the larger um, deal makers of LA and he has to sort himself out and then he has an assistant that really helps him out and other people so this to me is it's just a show that I enjoy you know exactly what you're getting every time it comes out there's a new episode each week I followed it so those were over overwhelmingly my three which is platonic and third the comedy Perry Mason and second knows what it is and gets it done and then the last of us the kind of standout um, TV show I'd say as we started off in the beginning, I put in Yellow Jackets. I did watch Yellow Jackets. That's kind of, it's unfortunately kind of turning into a legacy watch. Like, I just want to see where it's going. I don't think its execution was on point. I don't, some of the tricks that it's pulling, I don't know why, which is why is there a lot of static all the time? I don't know what the deal is with this magic. Um, you know, they did kind of, it, it's very lost-ish. So and they're kind of, Parallel. Yeah, and it's just, it's not working, right? And with the parallel stories, I'm really enjoying the flashbacks more, like I'm enjoying the time in the forest rather than the sort of contemporary times or the current time. So, um, yeah, that's it. That's it for my TV shows. And then if I were just to end off my movies, and then I have a couple other things I could say. Um, I'll just say best animation or best nostalgia or best whatever. Super Mario. I saw the Super Mario Brothers movie and it was a cool 90 minutes. It knew exactly what it was. It hit the marks. Uh, if you were an old Mario fan, 
it had it there. If you were a Mario Kart fan, if you were a new Mario, if you were what it just, it had it all. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching that movie. It, it, it executed well for, for what it was. So I'll have sort of, maybe that's also under best nostalgia, best video game, best animation, uh, movie. So those, those are kind of my three covenant three, super Mario two, blackberry number one. Nice, man. Yeah. I want to see, uh, I want to see Super Mario uh, as well. I I wanted to see it in the theater like a month or so ago, and it was sold out all the time, so couldn't go. But I, I think I'm going to miss. I think I've missed already the theater, right? Like it's 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 gone now. I think. Yeah, I think so. A couple of weeks, and then it'll be. Um, they'll want to monetize the, the streaming, so it yeah, should, it should hit Apple. It should hit um, to purchase uh, pretty quickly. I have a couple other general categories I can just start and then you could weigh in if you if you have anything. Yep. Sure. So I, I put uh so usually I had this as a category or a theme or whatever, but I said best tried and failed. Are there TV shows that you tried um and just yep. and totally totally failed here? And uh I have here um the Apple TV show Extrapolation by Scott Z. Burns. It's essentially about climate change. Every episode is a different decade in the future. It It is very star-studded. I watched one or two. I like Scott Z. Burns, but um, I don't know. I got two or three episodes in and I just couldn't, uh, I couldn't continue. Uh, another show is called Liaison with Ev- uh, Eva Green. I think it's a French production or at least mostly French language. Uh, again, a spy thriller. I got maybe a couple of, I just, after a while, I didn't know. And then um, I'm sure, I'd like to think a lot of people are on this one. I'm not so sure, but uh, The Idol with The Weeknd, I think I did a, I think I did one and I just like, I could not continue with it, <laughs> right? I was like, I can't, I don't know what this is. I'm not really interested if it's this versus platonic um, for my, or watching it, you know, or advancing my succession. I, I just can't choose The Idol over those other two over watching those other shows. So those are kind of my tried and failed t- TV shows. Did you have any tried and failed TV well, shows or movies? I like this category. I think it's a good idea. Like, cause there's, I think we've all probably more so every year that goes by, there's just so much more to choose from and you can't watch them all. So I think we do almost have to be okay with not going all in on something just because we started it. Uh, Cause you know, there's another dozen that you need to see and you probably will only see three of those. So you've still left nine great shows on the table. So there should be no problem with cutting, cutting a show off with two, three episodes in. I, I mean, of course, like the, the counter to that is, oh, you should have stuck with it. It gets, it gets really good by season three. Right. Kind of going like, I don't, I don't know if I want to commit, you know, 25 hours for season three to come around. Uh, I started the Yellow Jack, uh, not Yellow Jack, it's the other one, the other yellow one, Yellowstone. Yellowstone. And, and I could recognize that it was good, but I, I just, I wasn't into it. I, I wasn't going to stick with it. And I think that's the other phenomenon of just looking, looking down the line and you see, God, there's so much TV to watch here <laughs> to get, to get caught up. Um, so there's, there's definitely a critical amount of hours that I think people are willing to put into something if it's multiple seasons deep it's much easier to go oh yeah I'll, I'll start watching that it's only it's only one one season in so far and it just got renewed how exciting i'm getting in um 
while it's just taking off. And, and maybe that's again, because there's so much to choose from. Like 10 years ago, you would have said, just tell me what the best show is and I'll, and I'll watch it because there's not too much competition. You're going to, you're going to say to me, it's Sopranos, it's The Wire, it's Mad Men. And I could go with any one of those and, and be pretty confident that there's not really much else out there that I should have been watching. But the thought nowadays of going all in on a seven or eight uh, year or season long show when there's another 20 <laughs> seven or eight season long shows that I probably would enjoy more. Uh, I think it creates streaming paralysis. At least it doesn't mean I end up not watching anything or I end up skipping back and forth and having a hard time uh, committing to one which is uh, talk about the definition of first world problems, eh? Like, oh, there's too much good stuff, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, I think that's the trend, uh, definitely, is, uh, you know, it's like Succession at four seasons, uh, Ted Lasso at three seasons, and um, there is a, I mean, for me, there's a level of paralysis as well where, you know, I watch the trailer and I go, okay, I'm in, and so something like shrinking with, like, Harrison Ford on that. I was just like, oh, I'm definitely trying this. And I'm just like, I have no, you know, no desire, honestly. And um, there's also just, uh, you know, you, you couple that with sort of like sports, sports docs, um, which I kind of have here a little bit. I mean, some things, uh, movies that I tried and just didn't finish, like Tetris on Apple TV, I thought that was a guaranteed for me to watch. And I got about 20, 25 minutes in and I'm just like, holding even though I could recognize the quality I'm just like Chris this has everything that you love right like it's kind of heist it's got nostalgia you know exactly what it is and you know it's got good reviews why yeah. aren't you why aren't you watching this and I was just like you know what I just rather I'd rather do something else and and just as a kind of segue and then circular back one thing that does that I consistently have started to watch is uh, sports documentaries that, that are coming. I mean, really started out with Drive to Survive, but then there's like Full Swing, now yeah. Breakpoint. Uh, Breakpoint came out with a part two um, following um, some tennis stars. Just recently, about a month ago, I ended up watching, there's a very successful Tour de France one. And in terms of just like, you know, emotional bang for your buck, the sports doc, really gets there which is like okay versus a two-hour movie versus sort of like a 45 minute real life hyper realistic i should say like edited drama so like you um you know having those uh threes that i tried and failed i'll say at least i tried them because there's a bunch of shows i just end up not even trying because i'm like i don't i don't know right and then you go back like i think i will go back to chernobyl just because I kind of have to, and you know it's there. It's the same thing with Succession. It was always there. And now it's like, well, if I have to choose between something new and then finishing that fourth season, I'll probably just choose the fourth season. Now, that, I mean, this is sort of, again, a, a, a really good issue to have um, going. But uh, I, I have also a final um, to try or to finish. So I have a to try category, movies that I, or TV shows, I should say, that um, are out. I haven't watched, but I'm really keen to give them my 10 pages, as Jake Francis would say. Uh, did, did you want to say anything else before I get to like my to try TV shows? No, no, move, move to that. I like that. Let's, let's hear this. 
Yeah, so on Prime, there's uh, Dead Ringers, which is Rachel Weiss, which is, I think, the TV show equivalent of the Cronenberg. Mm. David Cronenberg, Dead Ringer. Um, but I more so... Yeah, but more so Silo. The show Silo on Apple TV with Rebecca Ferguson, where they're sort of like underground society. This seems to be getting a lot of buzz, and even if it's like not super great... I'll probably end up watching it kind of along the lines of like, I think I'm going to do secret invasion at some point. Like I'll just kind of have to, it's three episodes in and I'm thinking I'm waiting a little bit more. Oh, and I'll just say circling back another trialed and failed. Unfortunately was the last season of the Mandalorian. I think I got two or three episodes in and I just couldn't do it. Oh man. Uh, that's interesting. I totally forgot about that. I, I, I think I got one episode in and it wasn't even that it was bad. I just, it's funny year to year, like what, what you think is, is the, I couldn't imagine missing an episode thing ends up being like, oh, okay, more of this. What's uh, your segue? What's your segue? My, my segue is just when you said Cronenberg, it reminded me of the best horror movie I saw this year was, was Infinity Pool, but that's, that's his son, Brandon Cronenberg. Yeah. Brandon, yeah. Did you see it? No, but it just came out on HBO. Uh, yeah. For, so it's, it's uh, easily watchable. And it's not, it's not really like, I know you're not a big horror fan. This is not like, this is not conjuring type of stuff. It's not, it's not uh hereditary. It, it's more of a, more of a psychological conceptual piece. It's, it's really, the premise is, is kind of wild. And you'll, you'll see like 30 minutes in what the premise is. And it's completely like nuts, like such a Cronenberg thing. But again, I, I kind of respect it in terms of like, whoa, what a, <laughs> what an idea. Like what if, and, and there's a lot of interesting questions it brings up just about ethics and morality. And it's just, it's just playing with that, that sort of wonderful storytelling technique, which is just the whole, like, what would you do? Or like, what if this happened? And then the stakes were this, I guess that's just, that's just quality dramatic structure. But, I think it's worth a watch. It's it's definitely, you know, Brandon Cronenberg doing this thing, which is like trying to out weird to add, I think. <laughs> I think that's the game in the Cronenberg household. It it yeah. reminds me of, of like Sam Levinson and Barry Levinson, right? So Sam Levinson, yeah. and I don't know a lot of his work, but he he did The Idol and Euphoria, Sam Levinson. Okay. I was like, oh, yeah, that's where I, you know, then the Barry Levinson thing. Um yeah, no, I, um, I, 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 I had a part of my life where I did horror a lot, you know, right around like the ring urban legend time, I think, but, you know, scream, scream too, like, but I, I, I did dabble, like I, I did say knock at the cabin and, um, the other M night Shyamalan, it's like shrinking or whatever. I did watch those. Oh yeah, and I did watch not the last scream, but the second to last scream. I guess like the first in the reboot, kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. So I I do I do dabble and and I have sort of like Bo is afraid, which is um by the guy who did like Midsummer. And, yeah, it's Ari Aster. Yeah, and I was like, I could, okay, I'll do I'll get Bo is afraid. I, I I totally forgot about it. I tried to watch it. I I I, I tapped out after thirty minutes. Okay. And I'm a I'm a huge Ari Aster fan, so I couldn't couldn't do it. Yeah, and I just remember like you know you're just like bracing the entire time you're watching Midsummer. You're like, okay, like can we just be normal for another five minutes? Like you know you've got the first twenty minutes where things are fine. Like I'm just like I, I know I have the first twenty. 
I'm good. And then like, yeah, yeah. Then you're ch- and then after that, you're just like, okay. And then it's just a challenge. Like, am I going to keep watching? Am I going to turn this off? Am I going to second screen? Am I going to, you know, like what, yeah. what am I going to do to get through this movie? And um, like the kids would say, am I going to hide behind the comments? Yeah, that's, that's right. While I watch this. Uh, I have one more I forgot to mention to finish, to try to finish. Okay. Uh, Barry, Barry season three. So I guess this is also Ted Lasso. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm going to finish Ted Lasso. This, at some point, there's going to be a week where I can finish this. But Barry, I don't know why. Like, it's getting darker and weirder. I've done the last. Mm-hmm. I've done all the seasons. This is the finale season. It's it's out there for me to watch. But um, Barry, I uh, that's that's kind of also on the list. Uh, I have one more thing, but we could, which is older movies that we've decided to watch, but we've never seen them before. So it's like old movies that we've always wanted to see, and we finally got the time to seeing them. You kind of brought it up earlier, but if you wanted to say anything, and then this is absolutely my last thing to to bring up at this sort of um, check-in point of the mid-year. Man, I, I uh trying to think like, so these are movies that I know I should have watched a while back and I finally got around to watching. Is that, is that what we're calling this? Yeah, I can give it, I can give you a sample. Yeah, give me, give me a little. Well, the, the, these are the three because I, as you can kind of picture the year and you're like, okay, do you do something new or do you do this? Like, do you do the sporting doc? Do you do like the recent re- release stuff? Um, I'll just say like, I, uh, on the plane a couple months ago, like of all the movies that are out there, what did I end up watching? I ended up watching Tar, Armageddon Time, and Nope. All movies I saw in the theaters and I watched it the second time on the plane. These aren't the movies I have listed, by the way. And I totally loved it. I loved watching Nope again. I really liked watching Target and I really watched what, you know, it's just some things you yeah. what you're getting. I'll just say these two in this sort of Indiana Jones revisiting Harrison Ford his sort of non, uh, his sort of standalone movies, non-franchises. Mm-hmm. I watched uh, Presumed Innocent, uh, a movie that... which I'd never seen before. This was, I don't know when the timing was, but this is at, with the growth of courtroom dramas and John Grisham and all the rest of it. It's not John Grisham, but it is a courtroom drama. He is indicted for a crime and then he's got a lawyer and then will he or will he not get out of it? And then the this director, which I've always wanted to revisit, he or she, yeah, it's a he. He reminds me of sort of Michael Haneke. Like I think I'm always trying to relive those Michael Haneke kind of like white ribbon days, mm-hmm. um, and Cache, but it's not called Cache anymore. And I watched uh, Personal Shopper and Clouds of Silas Siles Maria. And Personal Shopper is really good, right? If it's the yeah, Kirsten, yeah the Kirsten Stewart, um, you know. A personal shopper is basically uh, she works for a model and picks up the stuff before her model shoot but there's something else going on with her family and her brother and it's just one of these like very subtle movies that were kind of done and I, I enjoyed kind of running basically those of you who are familiar with uh, free streaming movies right that are legitimate something like Tubi right like T-U-B-I which you can just go on and this is the last bastion of movies when Netflix and HBO and stuff, they don't want them Tubi will provide some level of revenue. So you can actually watch a lot of sort of older movies for, you know, like way, way of the gun. Those of you looking forward to um, the latest mission impossible. Those of you know that know it's written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie and he did um, the usual suspects wrote the usual suspects 
But then I think his directorial debut was a movie called The Way of the Gun with Benicio del Toro and Ryan Felipe and James Caan. And it, it, it was just, and that's so, and that's there if you, if you really want to relive and watch it, which I remember watching that movie at the time like a whole bunch. I really liked it. Anyways, those are my, I took the time to watch these old movies time this year. Yeah, I like, I like that whole, that whole category and, and just the whole idea of don't, don't forget to like go back and, and see what you've missed as you're trying to keep up the latest. There's so much stuff from each decade that we just didn't have time. Um, and it's, it's also like viewing it, even if you did see it 20 years ago, it's interesting to watch something through our present lens, right? Cause you're, you're gonna, you're just gonna experience it and process it differently. I, I don't think I saw anything though this year. It was, it was older or, or like, it was like, oh, I finally got around to scenes. I, again, but it wasn't, it wasn't a big year for watching much in general, right? Which, which I really want to get back to. Um, yeah. Starting in the fall, like fall, winter is prime time for watching. Uh, for me, at least I, I, that's when I find that I really get into stuff. Yeah, man. Uh, any, my, any, oh, final, any final thoughts? Any final I'm just looking forward to the summer, just getting into like, this is another good time to sort of get into a series or, or just, just watch, watch some movies that I've kind of either just had in the, the watch list or the sort of like, oh, everyone's talking about it. I should get onto that. Yeah. Uh, Cause there's just, there's time. Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping by, if we, if we have the same conversation two months from now that we will both have, have definitely added to the, uh, added to the the catalog <laughs> no for sure especially with the with the blockbusters coming out um, i'm my, my most anticipated if we want to sort of unofficially also end or 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 speak to this like for me it's open yeah i i don't think there's even any contest like i uh i'll, I'll put this out here hot take uh mission impossible i i actually have a tough time between yeah. oppenheimer and mission possible like i'm seeing them both Sorry, I do wish it will be awesome. I, I, I guess what I was thinking is just in that in that type of movie, something yeah. that you know is going to be just insanely intense. It looks it looks borderline actually like a horror movie from from looking at some of the the trailers for it. Like it looks like it's 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 meant to be just terrifying. The the, the concept. Yeah, I see it as um, kind of a race against the clock. Yeah, but um, you know, all all his movies, there's a concept in his head that he can't get out, and it comes out in this movie. So, you know, Tenant was the temporal pincer, right? Like he just he can't, and so I'm just going to build a whole movie around that to the expense sometimes of everything of like, and then I'm going to build it within a, um, essentially sort of like a secret agent you know, kind of James Bondy film. Uh, and it's, you got to go with it, right? <laughs> like you just got to go yeah. or you look at inception and it's, it's uh dreams. Like I'm just, you know, I'm, and then I'm going to put a couple things together and interstellar. I don't know. Like it's, I guess the concept of black holes and a time again and, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And Oppenheimer, um, I don't, is it, I don't know. Right. Like I hope, I mean, of course, whether they work or not, you have to see it. This is one of those things, which is like, I'm so torn on tenant 
because I still think today about what that move, what a temporal pincer for me to try to understand it. And when you look at the movie through that lens, it is so consistent, right? Like you can see Robert Pattinson walking in the background on the first take, right? And you're like, and he knew how to do the fight sequences with reverse entropy. And I was like, who thinks of this stuff, right? I mean, it's really what came to me with the prestige, right? Which is, I was like, what am I, what? like that ending, there, there's like, I don't know, there's probably like 10 endings in or 10 like just sequences that I think about. And, you know, that ending, you know, I'd say about half of them are Nolan monologues, right? One would be The Dark Knight for sure. And then The Prestige for sure. Uh, something like Memento, like they all stick in there. But I wonder what it is for Oppenheimer, which is it, is it the, the, the science-y race against time? Is it the corrupt person you know the duality of science like uh i i don't know yeah good point i i don't know what the, the big thing will be about this one but i think it's just going to be that this the theatrical experience that that admission like yeah you're, you're totally right those will be those will be the two which one did you walk out of more like impacted by permanently affected by <laughs> well I, I think tom cruise now with his producing partner and his writing and director partner, like Christopher McQuarrie, they know exactly what an audience wants, right? And it's, I'd like to think it's the antithesis or somewhat of an antithesis to MCU and DCU movies, which is people don't want to see more fake. Mm -hmm. People don't want to see more older actors into something they want to see hyper reality and as much as and and so let's just go with the bike sequence which is is being promoted all over the place i haven't seen a lot of promos but there's always something right and it's like yes there's going to be some cg painting here with but that really is 58 year old 50 he's 61 now like but a 58 year old tom cruise on a bike jumping off a cliff with a parachute yeah and like that's really that's really happening. That's really him. Like, and what really got me, I mean, the the sort of the 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 gateway for me, which locked me in, was like, I'm really. It's a couple of missions ago. I think it's Rogue Nation. I'm really gonna hang off this plane, and I'm and we're just gonna do a, a long shot. And I was like, Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. And yeah. I and I'd say the other one, the sort of like, okay, now you're in, is watching. I've said this before the Top Gun 2 trailers, when you know he's really in the rear of a jet experiencing those G-forces. And I was like, good for you. Like, it's not just about holding on. Like, it's not easy to take the... And I just and I just love it. And it's, it's not a, a bunch of green screens. I'll even say this. We've gotten to the editorial part of this thing. It's not even really great underwater motion capture, which is what James Cameron does. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm with... With unlike Nolan, I'm in for the mystery. Tom Cruise, I'm in because I know exactly what I'm getting. Mm-hmm. I'm getting real, well thought out. You see the money on screen, action sequences with a pretty good story, because Macquarie knows what he's doing. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. I'll probably watch it twice. Right. Definitely. All right. It's gonna be a summer, man. All right. Thank you, Jake. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for uh, listening. 
Uh, we appreciate your time and see you next time.